0: Connect to the foot bone, the foot bone's connect to the ankle bone, the ankle bone's connect to the leg bone, let shake their skeleton
1: Hello humans, welcome to the M Word, the Manx Sports Podcast brought to you by Martin, that's me, I'm Matt, that's him Welcome back, Matthew, how are you?
0: Fail. Uh, just just about getting over it, a few sniffles, but uh, now, I'm now surviving. You're gi- now you're giving me a cold, thanks. Yeah, Cheers. you're
1: welcome. Lovely. Uh, quick question <laughs> about fuel. <laughs> right. It's a bit random. But I know some petrol stations, they sell fuel for point something of a penny. So you can buy a litre, I think it's a litre, for say 127.9p. Okay. So if I went and bought a litre of fuel, would I pay one point one twenty-seven point nine or Whoa. would I pay 128? Because they are round it up, wouldn't they?
0: I would have thought you pay the point nine,
1: but it just makes it sound better, doesn't it? Well, yeah, but you can't pay point nine, can you? Because it's you know because they don't do they round it up, wouldn't they? I mean, I don't you don't see any debit card one pound twenty seven point nine p, <laughs> uh, uh, so we wish they'd just round it up is my point. But then I was thinking, what's what? What was the last thing you bought that wasn't a full penny, rounded up, to show your age? What was the last thing you remember buying? Probably nothing because you're too yeah. young. Mojos, do you remember that? I have no idea what you're talking no, about. I guess I might remember them because she's more around my age. <laughs> uh, used to buy it yep. for half a <laughs> Yeah. Right. There's no shilling and thupney. I'm not that old, but uh, yeah, half, half P. P. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I digress. If you all round it up, please. Uh, just like sh- thank our show sponsors, billboards.im, digital advertising, in town, uh, C-Terminal. Want to get your brand out there. want to be seen. They're the boys to go and see. So go and visit billboards.im, get in touch, future of advertising. Thanks again to those guys for helping. So, Matthew, in, on the introduction, wasn't a fuel related bit of music, but you, I hope you recognise it from your speaking of childhood. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't that long ago, though. Okay, can you sing the rest of the song for me? Uh, absolutely not. No, okay. So, that's knee bone connected to the leg bone, quite relevant, as today we're joined by Ruth Cool, who's physio. So, Ruth, thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Absolute pleasure. Uh, and it's Bradshaw, the maiden name. It was, for yeah. Those that, yeah, maybe. yeah. How long have you been married?
2: Uh, 19, 18 years. Yeah, so quite a long time now.
1: <laughs> I, I quite like the. Uh, before I get onto the ma- how Manx you are, I think the name's very, uh, very Manx in the sense of I call you Ruth Cool or call you Ruth Keel, which sounds very Manx.
2: It does sound very Manx, yeah. but if you cross the water, you yeah, get Coyle. Coyle, right, yeah, okay. not good. Right, yeah, no,
1: that's not good. No, no, we'll go with Ruth Keel. That's fine. <laughs> so you come over, Manx, 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 Manx of the hills. <laughs>
2: I am Manx. but right. mum and dad are from Stockport.
1: Right. Okay. So they, you were born on I the island? I was born, born on the
2: island, yeah, okay, yeah. Manx, Manx, we'll go with that.
1: Yeah. And then uh, what area of the island were you born so, in? So
2: um, Onkin, mm-hmm. went to Ashley Hill Primary, and then uh, St. Indians.
1: The, so. the legendary there is Ashley Hill. Absolutely, all the best
2: people went there, yeah. <laughs> <I don't
1: laughs> tend to agree with that. So in that awesome schools, school was... Uh, was that your first inkling of sport? first?
2: Yeah, it was. I started doing gymnastics at Ashley Hill. Um, it was just a tiny, tiny club, um, only a few of us in it, and uh, they roped my dad in to come in and help out. Um, and yeah, it went from there, really. Did
1: he uh, Did he have a background in, in no. either gymnastics or sport in general?
2: Uh, no, none whatsoever. Mm. So uh, I totally get the blame for uh, roping him in. Mm. Yeah. So that
1: being the sports hall down there, because you do yeah. gymnastics... The school Just, rather than a local club.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Just in the school hall and then when we I went to Park Road, um Dad set up the gym club there mm-hmm. and then that developed into St Ninian's gym club and then uh onto manx Gymnastics on Glen oh, okay. Country Road. So so. F-
1: yeah, so it was full in then.
2: Yeah. Oh, totally full on. So
1: obviously for him as well, and I guess it was a, if he wasn't any background in gymnastics, it was a learning curve for him about
2: yeah, taking all his coaching exams oh, and right. uh, yeah, doing all of that and then raising all the money for building the gym and. Yeah. So that's
1: the Bradshaw that's down on
2: on yeah. Glen Clutchy Road yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah so
2: right. um yeah so he just headed
1: up the fundraising well not I say just was the wrong word but yeah he, he headed up that side of it
2: yeah he did and was quite heavily involved in uh, special needs coaching and gymnastics for that mm. which I subsequently then got involved in so uh, yeah a lot of fundraising and there's probably about 400 kids in the club now right. so
0: yeah big yeah. footprint
2: yeah
1: the gymnastic wage were you starting at that at school
2: yeah, I was probably about nine, right. I think, when I started um, and then continued on till I was about 13.
1: Right. Enjoy it, I assume?
2: Loved it. Absolutely yeah. loved it. Um, Do you yeah. specialise
1: in an air in Because, again, was it more just a bit of everything at that age?
2: Yeah, really. Back then, it was just floor and vault. We didn't have, right. like, beam and bars. We didn't have that until quite a bit later on, really. Um, just the equipment wasn't over here. Right um so yeah floor and vault was mainly what i did hmm. and then uh yeah it came to a bit of an abrupt end when i was 13. yeah so. So, like,
1: talk through that talk through so
2: through that. um yeah i broke my back um right. doing the high jump actually at school right. um ashley
1: hill oh no, no park, no, park road now Inions, been, yeah oh, right, okay.
2: So, um, unfortunately, it was about three months before going... Well, I was meant to be going to the Faroes for Island Games to yeah. represent gymnastics. Um, so I still went to the Games, but obviously couldn't compete. So, uh, yeah, I had quite a tough time over the next couple of years because back in the day, like nowadays, you'd just be like, right, come on, get up, get going, you know, get doing some exercise. Um, back then, I had to wear, like, a plaster jacket yeah, right, okay. Um, for... Oh, I was in that for easily a year to keep me upright. Um, so uh, going through your teenage years at school, that wasn't ideal. Mm. I got called ninja because oh, everybody right. just kept knocking on my back and oh. uh, I looked like I had a shell on. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: if I can say, How did you actually break your back because i'm just thinking of the hijab how, um
2: how did... on the landing so the mats were apart at the other side and i went to, my feet hit the floor and that just kind of John. ricocheted so i, I broke two vertebrae luckily not like to the extent obviously that um it caused any long-term damage but um at the time like mm. I couldn't do anything
1: sounds like a lawsuit to me <laughs> <laughs> it
2: support. wasn't back then no. but it would be, be nowadays no, yeah, probably yeah, yeah.
1: yeah i'm always interested actually when because you hear people you know have accidents some break their back and are paralyzed or some are is yeah. that more just about the type of injury on your back yeah
2: definitely yeah mm. um mine was um what they call wedge fractures of the vertebrae so mm. it wasn't like complete fracture um of each of them and it didn't affect my spinal cord right. so um that's why i was uh luckily we, okay how long were you in hospital for that um well I actually um went home the same day and then was called back to say that oh, I just broken it. Mm-hmm. Um but I wasn't in hospital. They just treated it out of hospital. So And uh, that's
1: mainly the back brace and then rest. Yeah.
2: Basically. Yeah, and obviously physio. So yeah, right. uh, later on down the line. So um and that was probably had a few niggles before that, knees and stuff, so had a bit of an introduction to physio world, but um Breaking my back was probably the the time that I kind of got a bit more insight into what physios did. Yeah, so right. um, so yeah.
1: So just on the gymnastics front, again as an observer of the sport, not a lot of it, but it's a, a younger person sport for sure, is it?
2: Yeah, I think it's getting... Better mind,
1: you're to the Games at 13 at this stage, 14. Yeah,
2: yeah, it definitely is. But um, people are lasting longer in the sport now. I think there's so much more awareness of strength and conditioning and um, looking after the gymnast bodies um, that, you know, people are still competing at 23, 24, <laughs> so, which is a lot different to maybe 20 years ago. You were kind of done and dusted by 16, wow, 17. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they're lasting a lot longer nowadays.
1: Yeah. The... Uh... It's a big uh, sport on the Island, isn't it? The gymnastics yeah. seems to be a lot. Again, I'm not particularly okay with it, but that's the impression I get. Let alone the centre that's there. It's you hear of you know have many f- friends that have children that are in the
2: yeah. It's a it's a good sport for learning your basic skills, I think, um, and your discipline and learning how to jump, land, run properly. You know, climb, get an overall kind of good. Body awareness really right. so i think a lot of um parents like it for that and obviously some go on to and we've had really good representation at commonwealth level um over the years um which is lovely to see really yeah. so um
1: does yeah. it has it changed over time as well from i again i guess i look back at my school days and if you as a male if you're doing gymnastics there's probably some jibbing going on for doing it is it much more of a multi-sex sport now than it was
2: yeah yeah i think so i think because people can see you know it's got more coverage on the telly and people can see the strength required (laughs) and the skill level required for it um especially you know the male gymnasts on the rings and the high bar you know it is phenomenal what they can do so um yeah i think you don't get as much stick now as you maybe would have done
0: back then is it still part of the curriculum in that sense you know yeah they they, still do it
2: in schools now yeah so um it is part of um yeah because it's it's good for those basic Mm. skills i think so it's stuck so uh
1: how disappointed were you miss the games or at at the age of 13 was was it
2: (laughs) yeah i it was a yeah real low point because it was like very sudden um it was my first games and um yeah, I was really proud to be representing the island and then it came to an end, right. but... Uh,
1: you still, what are you saying, you still went up? I did still was go. Pharaohs. was
2: Yeah, I did still go, but just to support. Right, okay. But uh, yeah, I think it shapes you though, know, everything for a yeah. reason.
1: So, so, yeah, and certainly at that younger age as well, it, w- it would, I'm sure. Yeah. So then you finish school, you go on to, you go on to uni...
2: Yeah, just. Right. <laughs> yeah, I kind of bombed out a bit in my A-level. So I got a place at all the unis that I wanted to, you know, um, I applied for, which is great. And then the A-level results day came and, you know, despite a lot of hard work, they, they weren't quite what they should have been. So a lot of ringing around, a lot of nagging, right. and I eventually got accepted at Sheffield.
1: Okay. And that was in... Um, no, in the sense of uh, what you're going to study, sorry.
2: Yeah, physio. Yeah. So. So, um, so
1: was this something you you'd not you'd always want to? You talked obviously about the the injury and maybe that was starting to shape the thought process about. So I guess doing physio and getting physio at fourteen that was like this is quite interesting, is that?
2: Yeah, I I just loved it. Um headmaster at St ninian's tried to persuade me to be a doctor, but I fundamentally knew I probably wasn't brainy enough. Right. And I was quite adamant that physio was a good career to go into, um, which to my mum's um distress when I told him quite categorically that I didn't want to be a doctor and I was going to be a physio. But yeah. um yeah, I always wanted to, do it and it's so vers- versatile. Such a wide area of things that you cover in physio, yeah. um, not just obviously the sports side.
0: Yeah,
1: I, uh, I think that's the career I'd probably looking back when you were fourteen and asked what career you want, and I want to be a fighter jet pilot, and it, you know, in, in <laughs> hindsight, I didn't have the brains to think that wasn't going to happen. Uh, physio was probably something I'd have, again, haven't done, I was going to say a sportsman, I haven't quite called myself a sportsman, but done sports all my life. I might yeah. save myself about a million pounds in physio fees as well. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, something I wish I'd done. So, time at uni, how was that? on the lash uh, all the time I assume or studying hard
2: studying hard physio is a nightmare yeah, you were saying like, that literally. Your are <laughs> uh, probably no no it's literally full time right. so and obviously going off on placements and that way you were li- you were working right. really so um, many local hospitals type of placements yeah you went around to all the different hospitals and did about six weekly placements right. uh, each in the different areas of, of physio over the three years I was so homesick, though. I probably Mm. didn't make the most of uni life, certainly in the first year. I think had I gone to Liverpool, I would have been on the first boat home, but Sheffield was a bit harder to get from, and my sister was there as well, so that helped. But um, I I did love what I was learning, though, and and absolutely knew that's what I wanted to do, so that helped.
0: And Did you specialise in an area of physio, or was it just broad...?
2: No, with physio degree, you um, do lots of the different areas. So that can be respiratory physio, so people with chest conditions, working in intensive care, working with patients who have had a stroke, um, working with children. Um, it's so wide, um, the scope of physio. So, no, it, when you're training, you don't specialise. It's broad everything. And when you first qualify, it's broad everything. You do rotational post. I, so.
1: I, I kind of... oh obviously my, my interactions always with physios have been just sports related you kind of forget they do it's probably the smallest part of what, what goes is. on i'm probably the least important bit really in the scheme of things
2: yeah got, i you know, think yeah it's all relative to everyone but yeah. you do yeah sometimes you do have to you know put it into perspective you know one you know you can be treating an amputee yeah. or someone who's got a real life limiting condition um as opposed to you know a pull got hamstring. a tie <Yeah>.
1: That is important, though, my hamstrings. Of time. course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so those, I, I'd imagine as well, even at that, you know, it was uh, 18, 19, being in those hospitals and clinics, just seeing a, such a wide range of different problems, I guess. It's pretty yeah. eye-opening, i imagine, at that age.
2: It is, um, and you're having to deal with quite, you know, significant things because although obviously you're treating the person um, that's got the problem, the families are all involved, you know, there's a lot of communication with um, the wider team. Um, So physio within a hospital setting and the sporting setting is very much a team effort. Mm. Um, You know, physio in isolation isn't the answer. So yeah, yeah. yeah, so it's good from that point of view.
1: And do you see a difference between when you're dealing with uh, athlete physio and just that's called normal day to day. They, the psychology of that is that different.
2: Yeah, I think there's a real determination with the athletes to get back to their sport. Quickly. Does that help?
1: Does that help you as a physio, or sometimes hinder you because they're
2: Both because they're too fairly. busy want to be running the yeah. next day? I think. Um, there has to be an acceptance as a physio, you know, you have to, you know, the tissue healing process, you know, how long things take, um, you know, the reality of the injury. Um, it's our job to try and get that across to the athlete, but also, you know, the athletes in their world of sport and sometimes, you know, they're not going to follow what you want them to follow. So you have to go with, you know, risk management, document it and, um, go with the flow really.
1: The, uh, I might be gilly of that. So as you, as you get to the end of uni and uh you then start getting involved in G B and
2: Yeah, when um I when I finished uni I started working Barnsley, District General and that was doing my rotational physios um posts um so going through your core stuff like orthopedics respiratory those um neurology so this
1: is post finishing your degree yeah you're yeah.
2: qualified physio but you tend to get a good grounding and do six monthly rotations in different areas yeah, right. um and, and
1: sorry to interrupt is that part of that for you to find where not you but generally physios to find what what Takes their boat and yeah, why they it's want to, to focus
2: yeah it's to consolidate what you do at uni but also you start to get an inkling of where you want to be later on and where you want to specialize um and for me when i came back to the island i was always wanting to come back here so um i kind of took the first job that came up which actually i was full-time physio and in intensive care and right. when i first came back over here and did that for a couple of years right prior to a job coming up in um, physio outpatients in more the musculoskeletal area okay um and then once i did that um i was actually asked by british gymnastics to physio for their rhythmic gymnastics team okay um
1: how did that come about i appreciate it just don't um, go through a book and they must have you know you yeah here or?
2: one of um the girls that i um trained with and also she worked over here went back to england and started working um at Lillishaw. right and um she put them in contact with me um and obviously then you apply and they decide whether they want you want that's opted. a paid role is it no oh, right, okay. no voluntary right, okay. all of physio sport is voluntary right, okay. <laughs> um yeah certainly for like commonwealth games island games no pay take right, your okay. annual leave from i, would, where, I wouldn't yeah. i
1: just don't know in the gb setup whether obviously yeah, slightly no, bigger scale i guess than no locally. if
2: you're doing um events um at that time it wasn't paid
1: so Do you just see that as just Yeah, one you want to help obviously but also you know you're interested in the sport and helping athletes
2: it's experience it's a real opportunity to go to world's europeans um it gives you a great deal of knowledge about an event set up and 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 what the athletes are going through at a high level competition so um so yeah so you you're fairly willing to do it voluntarily
0: and were you working with the the whole gymnastics team or male women or different
2: yeah uh, um i worked with um the female rhythmic gymnastics team rhythmics what's that pardon what's rhythmic rhythmics the balls and the hoops and the ribbons um so that was a team of six girls um we're doing that it was a group um one and also with the individual rhythmic gymnasts um as well and then i did the artistic gymnasts um like gb versus russia and um competitions like that so
0: and was that what you applied for or did you apply for gymnastics gb and then they kind of look at what you use, yeah they just background and yeah
2: they put, just decided what events needed covering really and uh, sent you in that direction right.
1: did you meet athletes like in the build-up We you meet an athlete four are yeah. just straight to the event yeah this is your physio over here and you're introduced really, to six, yeah, six gymnastics
2: in at the deep end oh. so um, you don't know them before and which must
1: make it a little bit more difficult to know yeah
2: it is you have to build up a rapport a trust mm. really really quickly i remember at um, wills which was in hungary um, when the gymnasts um, got on the plane to decide to tell us that she'd injured her back the day before so when we got to the event which was like the biggest event she'd ever do Um she couldn't actually bend backwards well if you look at rhythmic gymnastics it's fairly it's boring. fairly important that they can do that so you know trying to work with her work with the coach um, who was Bulgarian and quite scary um, and get her to a point where she could compete in a really really short space of time is really challenging because mm-hmm. back then funding depended on results and you know, it's there is quite circle, a pressure yeah. to, you know, get someone um to compete at the level that they, they yeah. should be able to compete at.
1: So with regard to gymnastics as as an outsider, it's certainly more maybe more historically. You mentioned a coach there, they they were pushed quite hard at a young age. I, I presume that doesn't go on so much nowadays.
2: No, there's uh, they're much more well looked after the gymnasts now. There's a lot more governance around it and um, you know, they're really cared for and uh, although <laughs> You know way back it, it was bad and there were lots of stories out there it's a lot lot better now so yeah. um and it needed to be <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah i'm sure so you've did a couple of years with gb
2: yeah
1: uh you're obviously back on the isle of man so that traveling away are you paying for all of that, that volunteer no work?
2: they travel they pay for your travel and expenses your time
1: yeah i say just but yeah your time yeah right. okay So you mentioned Hungary there. You're in Hungary. What other places did you get to?
2: Um, Granada, um, Geneva, Mm. so yeah good bit of traveling yeah. Hungary was funny actually i was 34 weeks pregnant with matthew oh, so that right. was quite a challenge yeah yeah right. bit of, yeah <laughs> carrying the treatment couch and all the bags and oh, yeah right. probably okay. shouldn't have done it but there you go
0: <laughs> that
1: was all just about for you gaining experience and
2: yeah yeah and it was a long time at the side i started doing island games back in gibraltar that was my first one before i qualified as a physio assistant and um, then that same year as doing the gb stuff um in hungary i was um it was guernsey games i think so uh island games has carried on from there really
1: yeah so that was yeah i think it was yeah and how was does it differ looking you look at manx athletes and being in that manx environment this is cool and uh, how does that how, is there a massive difference between that and you looking at a gb level in the mentality of, of athletes
2: i think if you compare our commonwealth team with a gb team you know we've got work to do still but you know we're getting to that kind of professional yeah. level now island games is kind of one step down it's a really really good stepping stone for going on to um commonwealth games yeah. and actually it, it's probably the highest competition a lot of our manx athletes will um compete at it's it's good because it's multi-sport and um, lots of you know obviously islands compete so um it's a great experience for them. Um and that, you know, within that the competition varies. Some yeah. sports the competition's really high at Island games, others maybe not so much so, but that going away, being in a team environment, staying in the same place, you know, following kind of the rules if you like, yeah. wearing team kit, all of that stuff is is really good for the athletes to, to get aware of and used to.
1: The uh that island, so our island games is it just? I presume there's a couple of physios there is it? because the team's so big.
2: It varies. When I first started, I went with uh, Roger Waterworth, who was mm. with the swim team, and but we tended to treat everybody. Um, I then did a few games with gymnastics, and then over more recent years, I've been physio just for the swimmers. Yeah, And it, well, I say just for the swimmers, obviously there's many knocks on the door and I don't say no, so uh, do treat others. But I think physio's got, um, I suppose people see the benefit of physio being at games more now. So a lot of the other sports will take their own um, physio with them now. Mm. So, uh, which is good.
1: Probably long days, I guess, at the the games.
2: Always long days, yeah. yeah. Any, yeah, whenever you're traveling with a team, you know, it's, early up especially with swimmers you're up um six half six you're in the pool for heats in the morning you're treating all afternoon then they're back for finals at night you're getting your food about 10 then you're doing any bits that need doing physio wise before everybody gets their head down so mm-hmm. yeah it's um plus you're doing at island games you're doing the cooking the cleaning oh, right, okay. <laughs> the washing of all their kit right. you know so uh, yeah yeah, Jack of all trades. Uh,
1: yeah. At least the massive pay salary is fine for that. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah. That'd be zero. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I'm sure the athletes are appreciated of it.
0: They I'm do. Sure. So How come you're doing swimming then rather than with a background of gymnastics? When um,
2: just how it's worked out really, probably I can blame Marcus for that. So um he was a swimmer. Um so He's your partner yeah my yeah. husband yes Um so um he's from a swimming family and always been involved in swimming and um, so yeah I kind of drifted away a little bit from gymnastics I coached for 24 25 years um off the back of injury in my back actually I kind of put all my efforts into to coaching um, and then when the kids came along you kind of go with what they're doing as well don't you so um cycling now dancing um, and swimming's been part of my world for a long time now. So uh, yeah. save
1: costs in your household if your kids need physio, though. I suppose doesn't it, and they can just come and
2: It yeah, well, they not listen to you probably anyway. They don't right listen they? to me. No, no. you know, <laughs> everyone says that. Oh, I yeah. must be dead handy for them to have you at home, and I'm like, yeah, but I'm still at mum aren't I? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think a
1: lot, a lot, of so I touched on me A lot of athletes. Just don't listen to the physio in the sense of I need to train tomorrow. So yeah. let alone then, and you, you add in the dynamics that you're the mother. Then you're yeah. just like yeah, whatever.
2: Mother. Yeah, I'm quite harsh at home as well. If they're not doing their exercises, sort of foam rolling or whatever, oh, right, they've right. got new no chance. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so while while you're obviously travelling away with the island, etc., you're working up the hospital. Yes, and that career is developing. Talk us through a bit. Yeah. So
2: um like I say, when I first came back, it was ITU physio. Then that changed roles so that must be
1: sorry to pick on that or start with that area that must be quite challenging as well because intensive yeah. care that
2: yeah it's, it's, it's the a, grimmer
1: side I guess of
2: yeah physio. again it's the positives and the negatives really you know obviously we do you know people come out the other side of uh, ITU and you've really made a massive difference and and obviously you know if patients ventilated you're talking a lot to the family and you know discussing what the treatment you're doing and and you build up quite a rapport and then the rehab after being on itu is quite long um can be an extensive um but yeah there's the downside as well you know when um i, I remember distinctly yeah, cool. you know we had you know someone came in from um actually a spectator for tt came in um had collapsed he'd actually got himself to A&E um but collapsed in A&E was seriously seriously ill ventilated um got him well enough to fly home had a reaction to the drugs on the way to the airport came back into ITU and you know eventually he didn't make it and his family from Germany didn't actually make it over so there's that side of it yeah. as well so you do have to be quite resilient as a physio um I think and uh, yeah you have to deal with quite a lot
1: and not to particularly pick, pick on that case but when you talk about ventilated you're talking about people that are obviously getting lot are on life support yes yeah. and so what kind of things are you working with them on that so to, you know i guess keeping muscles working ultimately but what kind of thing passive
2: movement so right. you're moving upper limbs lower limbs to prevent them stiffening up and that um but mainly chest physio so keeping the airway clear so um, I probably, even, I suppose, probably best way to describe it. I'm sure everybody's seen on like casualty when they've got a bag and they're squeezing the bag for the patient. Okay. So we'll do that and put right. tubes down to suction um, rubbish sputum off the lungs and right. that kind of thing to keep their airways and their lungs clear, prevent infection um, while they're being ventilated on the machine.
1: Right. Wow. Sorry. So then after I I, I see you. Yeah. ITU. So um,
2: right. went on then. Um, and started specialising then more in uh, musculoskeletal um, physio. So went um, was working in outpatients, um and was went away and did my postgrad um, certificate in sports physio. At the time I was physio for vagas as well. I mm. did everything, I right. just like any sport, it's fine. So physio for vagas for five years, right. um, which was great. Um, loved it. Um and then became more specialist in um uh yeah, treating sports injuries yeah. and did my masters when um Matthew was probably three and a half, Becky six months. Okay. Um in orthopaedic medicine.
1: That was in Middlesex uni. It was, yeah, was that a distance type of learning thing or did you Yeah, I went
2: away, I think I did nine weekends away right. over the three years. Um so qualified with a masters in orthopedic medicine. Right. Um, which then ultimately allowed me to do injection therapy. Okay. So part of my role now at the hospital is I work alongside the orthopaedic consultants, doing specialist clinics for them. Um, so if you get referred from the GP with an upper limb problem, you don't necessarily see the consultant, you'll see me, because right. I can obviously do the physio bit, list for surgery, do injections. So do basically the um, that role, other than obviously the surgery bit. Um, so, and my other part of that, although I'm 50% clinical up at Nobles, I'm also acute therapy service manager, which means I manage a team of 71. Right. wow. So, okay. uh, but that's a really nice mix of physiotherapists, occupational therapists, and speech and language therapists. Okay. So, you talk us through
1: those different types of...
2: So, um, there's three different areas that I look after. So, acute therapists, so mm. they're all the ward um therapists so uh, occupational therapy and physio so occupational therapists are the therapists who will help you get washed and dressed Mm. and um do maybe kitchen assessments um see how well you can manage in the kitchen do adaptations to homes um to make it easier for you you know after you've had maybe a stroke or you've had surgery and they'll go out to your home and 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 help to do that Um and then my outpatient team—that's all physios—but that's spread between women's health physio, um, hand therapy, pain, um, breast care physio for people who've had breast cancer, um, and self referral. So a big team there, and yeah. then my children's team. So they look after all the kids, and within that team, there's physios, OTs, and speech and language therapists. Right. So uh, which- what
1: does speech and language therapists?
2: So they, um, yeah, they. I mean, I mean, gosh. it
1: sounds obvious, but kind of.
2: Yeah, it's 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 learning um, language skills, mm. um, and it's learning about you know going into schools and helping children who maybe haven't got the the speech um, in order for them to help them learn. It's really important for our speech and language team to be into schools really early in those early years because mm. obviously it has a massive impact if you haven't got your speech and language um early on to then go on and learn later on so uh so great team to manage
1: yeah. it seems i don't know why i wouldn't think that would fall under a physio banner
2: um it falls under therapies right so really um it's gone away from a physio managers physios an OT manager's occupational therapist it's gone away from that because we're much more integrated now we work much more as teams so um it could be any one of us any any one profession that manages that mix of um talent really
0: okay
1: so back go back to 06 that was your first experience in commonwealth games yes. for the Ireland. how did that come about and how was that experience and um, i know you've been to many since as
0: well
2: yeah so um melbourne it was amazing i was so lucky to be asked to to go and physio with one other physio isla was physioing um at that games too a uh, great experience really good learning curve obviously only two of us for a team quite a big team 23 athletes i think we had at that games um but yeah, just soaked it up really, learned a lot. Um, started working with athletes then that I'm still working with now. Oh. So that's that's really nice to see 10, well, oh God, 13 years yeah, worth yeah. of progression. Um, but yeah, I think probably my lasting memory of Melbourne would be watching Cav um, in the scratch race. And um, it was hilarious really because we were all in this porter cabin outside the house that we were staying in in the Games Village on um, this little 14-inch TV, all the like, managers had gone to watch and we were all left there, you know. <laughs> so didn't have a Scooby-Doo, what was going uh, on uh, at all. But that mobile home thingy was rocking. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and, it, yeah, amazing experience and great, obviously, got medal and, uh, it, yeah, good games.
1: I, I'd imagine you feel... And rightly so part of that overall team aspect I haven't you know,
2: yeah i think to, you've I, got to remember as a physio you you know you're small part of what the athlete achieves you know we had two shooters there um trevor and Wilfie, they got bronze yeah. um and you know trevor he won't mind me saying that um you know he had a few issues leading up to that event you know he had really bad headaches he also got um dust um, from firework in his eye at the opening ceremony, which is quite critical when you're a shooter that you can see. So, you know, all those things that you're dealing with and you're helping them get to that point at, in the best possible condition is amazing that you're part of it, but ultimately you're a small part of it because well, they've worked so, so hard to get to that point. So um, I think
1: if you've got 100% though, and their you know, training's 80, there's the physios, you know, a percentage yeah the you next add percentage. that little bit yeah, as course, well that, don't
2: you yeah, along yeah. with sports psychology yeah. strength and condition and nutrition all the rest that goes along with making an athlete who they are um but yeah i love the team part of it yeah, yeah. absolutely love it the, so uh, great you, games
1: you touch on there the psychology of it as a as a uh, do you find you have to bring elements of that into your job i guess
2: yeah definitely. Or, or maybe a lot yeah um not probably as skilled as rich uh, (laughs) at, at it but certainly over the years you definitely you have to because you know the athletes don't if they they do engage in sports psychology um you need to know how that athlete works and it can be quite critical because you're the one that's there with them so um you can easily say the wrong thing or yeah. do the wrong thing. You've got to know if, when they're lying on the treatment couch having their physio, whether they want to talk or whether actually they, you know, visualizing what they're going to do and actually you just need to shut up, right. which is quite hard for me. <laughs> um, but you have to know that athlete really well. Yeah. And that's probably where I've benefited because I've known a lot of the athletes for so long. Yeah. So um, Tim is a prime example. You know, he, he got obviously silver at Gold Coast. Shoot it. Yeah. yeah and um you know i've known him for a long time so um you know you you spend that 24 hours with him beforehand and Mm. and hopefully on the day you're doing the right things that meets his requirements if you like to perform at a high level and he's done amazing you know he olympics getting fourth you know just just missing out on that bronze but you know he's a very, very rounded, very well prepared athlete, you know, he knows absolutely what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. So you have to make sure that your part you play in that is as good yeah, a, yeah. As, as he's prepared as well.
1: So. so you must have seen the difference then it with the going away with G B where you put with athletes and kinda of treating them immediately on day one. You yeah. don't know them. Yeah. The difference then to spending time yeah, with athletes and seeing that value that you can add. Yeah. By understanding them a little bit more
2: definitely yeah Yeah. there's much much more value in knowing the athletes i think and um obviously i treat them over here in between all these major events as well and actually um grace harrison that was really nice because um she was at oh i can't remember which games now was it glasgow
1: 12 that was i think. Glasgow oh, yes. Yeah, yes yeah, it 14. was Glasgow.
2: Yeah. Um and she made the all around final and i actually coached in, wa- in, in gymnastics right, okay. yeah and i coached grace actually when she was little and ended up being with her when she was doing the all around mm. and, and and fantastic at, at, you know moment and experience you know that we both shared and you know but knowing grace so well really helped in mm. that you know situation. Yeah so uh yeah
1: did you ever thought think about getting back into sport after we jumped back but obviously after you broke your back and, and you were better was that something or have you ever got I back was, into sport or not
2: um no i time. was really invested in coaching right. early on and then at uni i did do a bit of volleyball we right. were really lucky to have um gb mem- team member was at uni at sheffield there so um, did a bit of volleyball, and um, last year I did have a go at the tens. That oh, was an experience. So, ta-
1: so bike time trial, and yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. Um, I did ask Matthew beforehand whether I could do it because <laughs> I didn't want to embarrass him. So uh, yeah. So um, and that was a really good eye opener. But no, I've not. I've just ended up fixing everybody since. So, um, right. Yeah. I'm, I mean, <laughs> I'm interested in the reason
1: why you did the ten. Talk me through that. I think the time trial.
2: Yeah, a challenge for me, definitely. Yeah. But also to get an idea of what. Matthew was going through as a cyclist and uh, and what all the young athletes go through, I think it's really important, you know, we're very good as parents, aren't we, at standing on the sidelines and yelling and having an opinion um, about how they're doing and whether they should, you know, pedal faster, yeah. and so it was good for me to do that, to you know, a realisation of how hard it is, like he goes 10 minutes faster, more than 10 minutes faster than me, you know, I was categorically But um, you know, and I think, gosh, none of our kids go into their sports to not perform at their best or to try and get the best result or, you know, be the best in the game they're doing. Um, but I think sometimes we lose sight of that a little bit, and uh, it's it's good to get the balance. It
1: is, uh, and obviously, if you're treating athletes, it maybe helps you look through their eyes. I mean, that's what you do in day to day. I guess Speaking to athletes who want to train tomorrow and they're injured, and
2: yeah, just and having an
1: appreciation of the other, you know, the other side having then put yourself in that position, and
2: yeah, you know, definitely. Yeah. And I think uh, you know, some some recovery from injuries is a long, long job. You know, um, Catherine Reed, I, I treat. You know, right. we've been on you know, a three-year journey with her injuries, or injury to her knee, and, you she's know... She's a runner, isn't she? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, you know, she's come out the other side of there, but that's been a lot of, a lot of support, a lot of understanding, a lot of breaking down every tiny little bit. I used to drive her mad. You know, at one time there was a bit of a love-hate relationship because she'd come in all excited that she'd achieve something and then, you know, there's the next thing that you've got to do which she couldn't achieve and it's supporting athletes through that. But, uh, yeah. It's
1: been rewarding, you know, obviously it's rewarding as they make that progress.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't have a day that goes by where I don't, you know, do something or find something that is rewarding in my job. I'm really lucky from that point of view. You know, I love it.
1: And as your industry, I assume, continues to develop as more research comes out, yeah. so you're continually on a development learning. Yeah, care you're of always
2: learning. Yeah, yeah, there's always new stuff coming out. I think as the years go on, you just end up adding more things kind of to your toolbox that you can use, which is good. Um, there's always more to learn, always more courses to go on. I think you have to keep a bit of an open mind with physio. I think. The research isn't necessarily always there behind every single thing that we do. But I think once you've got the experience of treating so many athletes, you know what works. You know, there's loads of debate over kinesio tape. Oh, it's a bit of sticky plaster, but applied in the right way. I know it's helped people combined with exercise. You don't just use it as a, you know, put that on and you'll be fine. Um, But other people won't agree with that um so there's many a debate over things like that over how effective massage is at certain points within um your sporting time you know pre post um foam rolling there'll be loads and loads of things that people can think about that um you know hasn't necessarily got 100 research behind it and you can categorically say that works but i think when you've got the experience that that's what comes into play because yeah. you know you've used it or you've know you've worked in a certain way and that's helped someone so uh, you have to have an open mind And again imagine
1: ultimately every athlete's different as well so yeah fun enough one of the questions was about kinesio tape haven't it been something new really into it's the not physio new oh, right, okay It's
2: many many years old it was uh, 1964 I think oh, okay off the top of my <laughs> head <laughs> um and it was invented in Japan. Right. Um, so it's been around a long time, um, but you'll find with um, well, with any any stuff, sports stuff, sp- particularly things come in and out of fashion a little bit. And at the moment, you know, kinesio tape um, gets more coverage on the telly, mm. and you see people taped up, um, and they come in all these array of colours, and mm. GB kit have mm. their own, yeah. you know, and, and and all of that, the colour makes no difference, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, um, so yeah, it's a bit more out there, it gets a mention. Um, um, but so uh, yeah, it's been around quite a long time.
0: And when you're talking there about new developments and trying new things and only through experience, have you ever worked with any athletes who may be like, oh, I don't want to try that because it's not, you know, say someone who's never seen that tape or oh, I don't want to stick some tape yeah. on me or a new method of
2: yeah. rehabilitation
0: that someone might be a bit hesitant towards it or it's kind of that. how to develop I guess
2: yeah I think you know with anything we do it's all about consent from you know the patient anyway so you know we wouldn't do any treatment prior to getting consent for a treatment anyway so there may be people who don't particularly want to have a manipulation or um, they want to try just doing exercises first before having an injection, which is the right thing to do, those kind of right. things.
0: Do you, do you come across that often? Because I'm just, from my point of view, I'm just wondering if you know that you're recommending something that should help, yeah. <coughs> why someone would then have a, a, a basically, do it. basically, yeah, basically yeah. say no in yeah. that
2: sense? I think it is, it is patient choice. It doesn't happen very often because usually you can, as a physio, you can really clearly explain why you're doing something, Mm -hmm. what the benefits are going to be. That's psychology
1: magic they're doing on you. They don't even (laughs) know it as a patient.
2: (laughs) And, uh, you know, there's always other options anyway, you know. So um, one treatment is never the be-all and end-all. You've usually got a a few uh, tricks up your sleeve that you can uh, do instead.
1: I'd imagine through just your own knowledge and experience. So Matt and I turn up, we've got the same injury. Yeah. As two athletes we our mind works differently so you might end up treating us differently totally yeah
2: Yeah. you never get two people the same you never get two injuries the same
1: that's quite oh right okay
2: you know they all respond and people respond in different ways um you know age plays a factor you know there's lots of yeah you would never get two people that are exactly the same which makes it interesting Yeah, yeah for sure
1: so you've, you're involved or you've got more involved, I think, uh, probably a while ago now, but in sport aid, local sports yeah. aid. Or so, sports yeah. sport aid.
2: So before Delhi um, Commonwealth, I started working for um, Sports Institute. So that's um, all our sports aid recipients. Um, I'm one of the physios who, who works with them. So which is great. It's um, good, really good team to work with. The athletes are so fortunate over here. I, I I think there's times where they possibly don't really realise it, but the fact that they have access to you know strength and conditioning, nutrition, sports psych, physio, you know, they they're well looked after. And and now it's starting at an even younger age. So sports aid predominantly is from 16 onwards, really, um, and for when you're really starting to get um, some results in your year sports. Whereas um, the ethos is changing a little bit and trying to get more younger people having more knowledge as they um, get become more specialised later on in their sport. So we have the academy now, um, which is for, um, well, the youngest on it is 12, but really from about 14 up. Um, and they get lots and lots of um, lectures, talks, yeah. um, testing. Um, on all aspects of sport. So, kind um, of testing what what's involved um, in that? They do like um, running tests, oh, right. reach okay. tests, those yeah. just getting basic level of so they can see how they're hmm. progressing. And it's a really good insight for them because they can very much see, you know, one 14 year old boy is not the same size as the next 14 yeah. year old boy and all of that stuff. So, and it's good because the coaches are there, the parents right. are there. So, it's quite all encompassing, so it's a good, good learning program for and, the younger athletes
1: and for the parents, I guess, yeah. as well. And, and...
2: Yeah, I think parents understanding that you know there's more to their kids' life than their sport, you know, they, they've got other pressures on them with school and yeah. all of that stuff, um, but also them understanding that actually they need the rest, right. their bodies have got to last them quite a long time. You know, so um well after they've maybe finished um with their sport and uh, want to keep them in their sport,
1: so that nicely brings us on to Reds talk me through all that,
2: yeah, you? so Reds is relative energy deficiency in sport, and it's something that's being talked about a lot more now um And it's something for parents and athletes and coaches all to be aware of. Um, It's about both in females and in males, although it's been talked about a lot more in the female world. It's about making sure that athletes are fueling properly for the races that they're doing, the events that they're doing and the training that they're doing. Mm. And um, it's really hard because they can get really significant symptoms if, Then they're not fueling properly and it can just initially present itself as maybe a bit of fatigue um a bit of lack of coordination um weight loss um Mm. but it can go on to cause more problems certainly in in females you know stopping their periods which obviously ultimately in the longer term can have an impact on them being able to conceive Mm. um so it can be quite quite a serious um, problem so it's been talked about a lot more it's about eating enough resting enough and looking after your body really
1: certainly that younger age yeah ultimately their body's developing isn't it so yeah they're fueling it just day-to-day life you're fueling it to, to develop and grow you throw in a load of stress and
2: absolutely fuel
1: it so you're basically looking at that
2: yeah that, and it, and that gap absolutely and it's yeah it's about just taking on enough calories isn't it to um not be in deficit. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, uh, yeah.
1: And is that, again, education through the the athlete, the parents and the coach?
2: Yeah, Yeah. because the coach obviously sees the um, athletes quite a lot as well. Um, You know, I think when a lot of the younger athletes, obviously, they're at school all day, they whiz in, then they're out training, they're not getting back till late at night and it's like they repeat the cycle every single day. So um, it's just having an awareness really and um by the academy you know because they're covering all different aspects of um the sport in life if you like from time management to nutrition to injury prevention all of that stuff it it makes it you know the parents more aware and hopefully get a better balance you know must
1: be rewarding i assume as well working with the youngsters and talking to youngsters yeah
2: absolutely and the youngsters are really lucky because a lot of the athletes who are on sports aid will come in and talk about their experiences as well so older athletes yeah so they get a lot of interaction with people who are, are currently competing at a high level you know sam brand's been in i know you've had him on the podcast and that um you know sam's got his own story um and his own challenges mm. you know um i sponsor sam great athlete but you know with the diabetes he never ever sees that as um, a hindrance mm. always sees it as a challenge and something he has to deal with um it's good for the younger athletes to hear that you know not everybody at elite level has an easy ride to that point and i know sam does get a bit sick stick because i think some in the cycling world, maybe feel that he's only competing at, at that level because of his diabetes. But i challenge any of them to be injecting twice in a hamper race or, you know, yeah. three times in Milan San Remo to... I don't think many would swap with him. Yeah. So... Uh,
1: well, I know I haven't got diabetes and I'm not racing at his level. Yeah. So I can only imagine that's yeah. the most basic, you know. Absolutely. Uh, the... Well, I suppose... Uh, maybe... Cut over to then some general questions we've got chatting with people as well and, and questions from listeners uh, generally about your role or roles of physios so first of all when you're dealing with male and or female athletes do the does the approach differ i, I guess certainly if females have had children the body changes and
2: yeah that can be just um,
1: dynamics to the situation
2: yeah that can be a factor definitely you know um I think sometimes there's a variation in, um, well, we've already touched on different psychologies. You know, um, overall, I think from a physio perspective, you very much take, you know, you take the history behind an injury, you take all the information that you need, you assess an injury and you, you treat that injury, but you have to take into consideration other factors that, you know, yeah, male female age of patients right. you know all the rest of it as well yeah
0: okay and just following on for that would you say there's a difference in sports athletes themselves so footballers may approach their injuries different to a, a shooter or you know depending on what type it is and how they may be again, pushing on the psychological side, do you see differences in the background of what sport they've done affects how they treat?
2: I think different people have different views on their injuries. Mm. So you can get someone who, you know, has maybe quite a minor injury, but that's a big deal to them. And in their sporting world, you know, I used to treat Dan, um, Neen, and oh my God, he was tough you know he he had some really significant injuries and you know i probably saw dan more than leander on quite a lot of occasions in a week and um but you know a broken elbow to dan was well it's a broken elbow get it moving ruth and i'm back on my bike you know and and that was the deal with him but it could have been. it was quite a significant injury so different mentalities Mm -hmm. different ways of dealing with things um yeah no no one's sport is softer than the other. I don't say that <laughs> <Absolutely. laughs> I
1: and mean, when you're looking at sport and physio and sport in life what i mean what do you prefer doing or dealing with
2: oh I, de- I love doing the sports physio oh, yeah. absolutely love doing the sports physio I love doing the team right. um work within um sport um yeah it's because it's also all encompassing that you know so um, there's so many different factors to it but I love doing my private work as well you know I love treating you know the elderly the normal everyday person because their their injuries are just as important however they may have come about them you know so um, possibly the way I treat them is maybe a little bit different Um, yeah you treat everybody as an individual
1: And uh, do athletes listen to you always?
2: <laughs> You're joking, aren't you? <laughs> um, you give the advice at the end of the day. You know, some athletes will follow it to the letter. Some athletes you have to rein in and some athletes you still have to give a kick up the bum to, right. you know. Um, but all you can do is, we. you know, as a physio, you know the healing process. You know how long something takes. Um, athletes will always challenge that longevity, always. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you have to go with it sometimes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I think sometimes, like, I found physio like a security blanket where you get an injury, you have a problem, and like you, you do feel like your world's falling apart yeah. within a day. You know, don't do anything competitive really, but I can't go out on my bike for three days. My head's going to fall off. So, you try and get that urgent appointment to see the physio, yeah. you're texting them, and then when you see them, and it's almost. Often I think once you've got a plan it, it often yeah. makes things a bit easier. But
2: definitely when you kinda of
1: feel like you're drifting and don't know what the injury is or what the problem is. So yeah. you see that physio and it's such a comfort blanket once you've seen the physio and the Yeah,
2: it's just that knowledge key. is key, isn't it? Yeah, once yeah. you know what you're dealing with and, and and what you can do to help yourself, then you you're always gonna be better for that, you know. And I get I mean God Thursday is the day, you know, when someone's competing on a Saturday or a Sunday, <laughs> like Thursday, sometimes it's like a blinking hot wire. Yeah, right. um, but, you know, and you're not going to do anything miraculous necessarily, but if you can do something that allows that person to compete without causing any further problems yeah. or damage, and I think that's the thing as well, you know, sometimes you do have to turn around and say, come on, yeah, yeah. you know, you're going to prolong this problem if you don't just give it a bit of time now yeah, yeah. um but yeah y- yeah y- you haven't got a magic wand but
1: <laughs> and it's a very open question but generally would you have tips for athletes
2: i think listen to physio <laughs> yeah maybe it's listen one to of me. them i think just look after your bodies you know give give your bodies the rest that they deserve you know um do your preparation stuff beforehand you know Be careful after you've had a rest period, you know, if you've been on holiday, or you know, if you're going back to a sport after you've had a little bit of a time off, you're going back using underused tendons Hmm. and tissues, and therefore you're potentially overloading them if you think you can go back to doing what you did prior to that break. All right, okay. Go back steady. You know, it's common sense. Don't panic as soon as you get a niggle, but deal with it. Common sense for athletes. Well, this is true, yeah, good point. yeah but deal. do the basics you know
1: to go back to just back to the academy point and 14 yeah. 15 are they do you find the the the, the, young, the younger athletes are i mean do you find some are listening more than others if that's a right fair reflection of some are like yeah whatever i just want to get out Yeah, no,
2: you look around the room, and some are just not taking the stuff in, you know. They all mature at different ages, don't they? You know, and some will take in a great deal, some the parents will take in more and then drip feed it to them over a period of time between sessions. But yeah, they're all so different at that age. Um, I think a lot of the research is showing, you know, not to specialize too early in a sport. I think it's hard over here, the pressure is on to, you know be completely a cyclist or completely a rugby player or whatever that may be um but try and keep a you know a balance between life as well still you know at that age go yeah. to the party
0: yeah, you yeah,
2: know yeah. because if you miss out too much at that age you're not going to be doing your sport when you're 18 19 because you'll have had enough of it yeah. you know
1: and, and a very again another really general question of are the general injuries that you see? Or, or are they then sport specific so obviously footballers you, you might generally see leg injuries or
2: yeah usually a bit more sport specific to be right. fair swimmers are usually shoulders and backs right. you know shooters are usually shoulders cyclists knees usually a bit of hip stuff sometimes mm-hmm. you know so yeah the injuries tend to vary with the sport but you can get obviously random things as well yeah, and yeah. obviously the, the bike motor bikers and that are, you know everything
1: it must be really interesting Being a physio and learning all the different sports, uh, and needing to understand them really to be able to do your job.
2: Yeah, you do effectively, or more effectively. Definitely. I mean, you need to know exactly what they're putting their bodies through in order to be able to rehab them to the level where they can cope. And. you know be able to carry out their sport without you know the injury returning or you know um potentially developing other problems so i mean when i first started at, um, doing the sports aid lot i had no clue about the enduro riders you know but i spent time looking at videos um of them riding seeing what what yeah, pressures right. they were placing on their body so uh, yeah and that that goes for the sports as well so a lot uh, of
1: self self yeah, learning. Yeah, really. you're always
2: learning. And I think, yeah, the day that you stop learning when you're a physio and not having that passion to, you know, keep developing and keep understanding more and more, then it's probably time to pack <laughs> in.
1: <laughs> so, right now, you're obviously working at the hospital. Yep. You do some private work. Yeah, I So, do people a want bit. to reach out to you?
2: Yeah, so I work through Stoffberg Physio in Onken. I do mm-hmm. all my physioing down at the Sports Institute, but um, he does all my bookings for me. Right. Um, obviously, all the sports aid recipients uh know where to find me and I'm on twitter as well
1: you can you know the handle um, off the top of your head? Well,
2: I think it's our cool physio
1: all Right, yeah. well add, we can add it into our uh our fo- footnotes with a slight manx twang to the <laughs> <laughs> really cool uh thanks for coming in yeah, it's been really fascinating yeah i think uh no I think again physio's is such an important part of sport yeah. i think certainly not overlooked but it's easily forgotten because it's yeah. it's usually the not necessarily the worst time. But often I guess you're dealing with uh, times when it's yeah. the problems are occurring rather than not occurring which I guess is part of yeah. why it's so important but no yeah. it's a fascinating insight and uh, good to understand your background and I think from an Isle Sport perspective you obviously volunteer a lot of time as well for Isle of Sport Commonwealth Ireland Games uh, and the Academy so I think I'm sure a lot of athletes out there thank you for their time
0: yeah I say for me, it's the learning of just how much it's not just a case of, especially on the sports side, just fix a little problem. You have to know so much about yeah. the psychology and everything yeah. that can go around and affect what we may think is just a little niggle. Yeah. It's never just a little niggle. There's so much behind it, so much you have to know and that yeah. oh, yeah, just uh, yeah. a lot more than initially falsely assumed. So I apologize. <laughs>
2: right. We're here to
1: educate yeah. Matthew, that's why we're here. Yeah. So thanks again, Ruth. Oh, thank, thank you very K- much. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs> yes. <sir. laughs> yes sir. So uh Matt, yes. do you wanna wind the, up
0: for us? Usual. Um so wherever you're listening, Spotify, iTunes or SoundCloud, please like, subscribe subscribe, share and leave those five star reviews um on facebook we are the m word podcast twitter manx sports pod and on instagram we are the m word iom and please 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 keep recommending guests for us or if you are wanting to be a guest yourself also get in touch with us because we'd love to hear from you
1: for sure on the five star reviews we've got quite a few and not this about ego obviously Mm -hmm. clearly but you only have to click a couple of buttons and give us a five star (laughs) review it helps our helps our rating uh, and obviously helps us reach a bigger audience, which is what this is about. Just about you know chatting to chatting about Manx stories and and Manx, Manx Manxness in general. So please do that. I also learnt Matthew that uh you you've referred to Instagram before, Insta, which I believe the kids might call it. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, I did. I've I've heard it more. I'm more down with the kids now, and it's also known as the Gram. I don't oh, know yeah, if you've come across that the too. Gram, yeah. oh, all yeah, right, yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. I just wanted it's to it's show the life and all that All sort of oh, right, yeah, right. down with the kids.
0: Anyway, yeah, yeah, no, okay. What we're talking about. Oh, <laughs>
1: right. All right. Uh, Okay, so thanks again. Thanks again for letting us into your ears. It's a word out from Morton.